Hello, I'm Russell Shaw, a Senior Market Specialist at FXM. Welcome to FXM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. Since 1999, FXM has provided global traders access to the world's largest and most liquid markets. Keep listening to get our quality market commentary and analysis. Hello everyone and welcome to FXM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. My name is Russell Shaw. Joining me is Nick Taburis. Today is Monday, it's the 13th of February. And uh, Nick and I will be discussing the key market themes for this week. I want to just uh, stress that it is a conversation only. Don't take this as investment advice. And in this regard, please listen to our disclaimers, which we have at the end of the podcast. Nick, I want to uh, perhaps start off last week, as we usually do, uh, perhaps with uh, the communication uh, from Mr. Powell. Is that your thinking? Hello, Russell. Hello to our listener. Yes, to our listeners. Uh, yes. Uh, so I think that Powell was one of perhaps the main event of uh, last week. It was his first uh, speech and interview actually after the blockbuster jobs report that sort of shifted expectations around uh, the Fed's policy path. What did you, Again, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, what did, you, what did you make of I mean, the Wednesday before the 517, he was a little bit more relaxed. Anything changed um, in his tone? Yeah, I I think relaxed but hawkish. I think he remained hawkish, but largely stayed on script. I would say that he probably did go a bit further on the hockey side because he uh, said that perhaps more hikes than what is priced in may be required uh, if we continue to get so strong uh reports uh beat employment or inflation or other data but is the is, it, the, is the market listening is is i mean I, if yeah i think if we look at uh, uh the bond yields i think they have now embraced uh the fed's policy path for uh an above five percent terminal rate hike uh, for instance cme's fed watch tool uh as i checked earlier does project uh, does assign the highest probability to rates speaking at five twenty five percent, which is what mm-hmm. the Fed's last dot plot uh, say. I would also like, if you don't mind, try to point out this. Although he does remain hawkish, he doesn't appear forceful enough for me. A little bit more relaxed, as you say, and maybe he doesn't need to be more forceful because we saw this repricing based on the data in market expectations, and it does look. He actually said that, Chair Powell said that market financial conditions are now more well aligned with the Fed's projected policy path. So maybe he doesn't need to do all that much. That, that's a really good point. In other words, just to go back to that blowout jobs report, it's almost as if the data is doing the talking for him now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and I, I don't, I, he's still hawkish for me, but sort of the data does the talking, as we said, and if the data does not do the talking, I think that he would have a hard time uh, convincing markets and maybe we would see uh, quite some um, uh, back and forth there and push and pull. It, it would be hard for him to make a case for 
uh, much uh, much more tightening or staying for a long time if the data doesn't support that. But it seems that now the data does work in favor uh, this, um, um, let's say, narrative. Yeah, there's a ton of data this week. I don't want to discuss it just yet. I want to get last week yeah. out of the way, but there is just a... Just to sort of whet our listeners' appetites, there's a portion of data that uh, effectively is going to do the talking this week. Uh, before we get there, uh, there was an announcement on Friday. Uh, you and I were looking at the markets and all of a sudden oil spiked. And um, perhaps you want to give us some thoughts thoughts around that? Yeah, so we had, I think it was a surprise announcement. Russia uh, is... Uh announced that it will reduce its output by half a million barrels per day in March. That's what it says in March. Um, and It's just this, in March, right? I mean, we've... Yeah, that, that's, that's what the statement says in March. Yeah. So it doesn't specify if it will be uh, for later on or not. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and Deputy Prime Minister Novak actually sort of Again, it used the West for those price caps on Russian yeah. oil and how it interferes with markets. So uh, given the fact that they do not sell oil to countries that support these price caps directly or indirectly, probably they're having some uh, difficulty, uh, you know, uh, sending out their, their oil due to that, and maybe yeah. it's a reflection of that. But Th- That's overall, what I think as well. D- difficulty moving yeah. the volumes, right? Yeah, exactly. But overall, I think that there hadn't been much of an impact of of those caps in uh, supply of oil, mostly on the revenues that Russia gets out of those. Uh, And that was the intent of uh, European Union, of course, and those uh, and other Western countries. Yeah, so it was that big spike, but I I think it's worth just watching the demand side now. Yeah, it's yeah. It settled down, so we're going to have to, to wait and see. Um, I also think that it's worth us just mentioning there was two interesting uh, reports around central banks um, last week. Perhaps we can just quickly touch on the Reserve Bank of Australia. Yeah, so the Reserve Bank of Australia did not offer any surprises. It, it um, hiked rates by another 25 basis points. That was the fourth move of this size following a series of bigger increases. Uh, I think it was a little bit more hawkish in terms of language because it pointed to further increases, but removed a reference about it had, in the previous statements, had, it had said that we do expect more tightening, but it is not on a preset course. They removed this preset course path. And to me, that reads a bit more hawkish. And I think they didn't have much choice given the surge in inflation that we saw in the fourth quarter, uh, 7.8% headline CPI highest, since, CPI, sorry, highest since 1990. So I think they had their work cut out for them uh, here. And it would be hard to not produce a, a hike here. Yeah, and that, that inflation you're referring to, that was really a, a market surprise, wasn't it? Um, yes and no. I mean, um, they did, uh, the RBA did, that was in line with the RBA's uh, expectations. In fact, they actually expected to to hike up to 8%. So uh, it wasn't a huge surprise, but I think markets did react uh, or maybe 
potentially overreact, but it sort of cements the fact that the RBA has more to do. Right. And then uh, one of the, um, uh, one of the, uh, I guess we need more, um, more communication around this. Uh, just you and I have spoken about it. The news out of the, the Bank of Japan, Kuroda is coming to the end of his term. And um, there's some news about his replacement. Now, when I heard it initially, I thought it, the nomination had been made, but that's not the case. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was a report that, from Nikkei, actually, that they, the government will nominate uh, uh, Mr. Ueda. Uh, it, probably this nomination is expected to, to happen uh, within uh, this week. We're going to have to see. Uh, I'm not sure what to make, of course, of each and every member. I don't know if you have more insights on what to, to expect from uh, or thoughts in uh, as well to what to expect from uh, this specific uh, potential uh, nominee and appointee. Well, uh, when the news broke, I watched the uh, the US dollar Japanese yen. The, the yen did initially strengthen, but of course it was faded uh, pretty strongly after that. And uh, US dollar Japanese yen actually um, is up today. There's, there's follow through. Um, Mr. Yeda is supposedly, uh, dare I say, a hawk, or uh, let, let me say, um, relative to perhaps the other uh, potential nominees, he is uh, seen relatively more hawkish. That doesn't mean that they're going to um, have a hawkish policy. Perhaps, assuming he is nominated, um, perhaps a gradual uh, shift in monetary policy. But the oh. but the Japanese yen um, has weakened on the announcement, which is interesting. I think we're going to see it probably ranging until, uh, until there's more clarity around this. Yeah. I think obviously we're going to have to see what um, a, a new um, government brings to the table. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I, after December's um, widening of the yield curve, I do believe that the process to normalization has started, but as I had said then, it's not going to be an easy and fast process. Uh, and I don't think that it will be easy for any candidate to, to even if he wants to, to, to sort of move exp in an uh, expedited way towards such, such a thing. I, I don't think that um, w we can see that, but of course we're going to have to to get more uh, uh, more insights around uh uh, the the next governor, yeah, and then Nick, one of perhaps the more serious uh, stories that are uh, currently being covered in the media, the balloon saga. Uh, when I yeah. um, over the weekend, uh, you know, my uh, when I got pushes um, pushed through to my or messages pushed through on my on my mobile, uh, they were talking about UFOs, and I was thinking, you know, what what is this all about? And I opened it up. It's actually. It's a fairly serious um, story that's making the rounds. Uh, do you want to talk to us about that? Yes, over the previous weekend, not uh, yesterday, we had uh, the U.S. government shooting down uh, what they described as surveillance balloon that was from China. China, of course, had said that it is a civilian meteorological um, uh, balloon. And since then, uh, from th these last three, four days, we have... Uh, seen the United States shooting down three more 
flying objects. They don't describe them necessarily as balloons. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't, uh, one was over Canada, the other rest were over uh, over the United States. But we're not getting more specific though. Are they Chinese? Are they military? What are, are they balloons? Are they other types? We don't get so much um, information now. But in any case, I think this highlights uh, this the fact that they are taking this action and we are talking about it, I think it sort of highlights the fact that the, the relations between China and the West and the United States is a bit more contentious. And in fact, the Commerce Department also sanctioned six Chinese firms that support China's aerospace program, including airships, balloons, and all that stuff. So that uh, sort of plays right into what we have seen uh, in the post-Trump era. Yeah, and China itself has come back with its own claims, haven't they? Yeah, there was this uh, story, at least I, I saw in the papers, I haven't seen any official Chinese um, commentary, to be honest, on it, that they were tracking and they were ready to shoot down uh, um, a balloon or something over there on airspace. Oh, well, I'm referring... I think they've made claims that there have been incursions into Chinese space uh, at least 10 times, I think, over the, the last few years. Um, so it's just the, the accusations now going back and forth. I think the highlights, not the, the, the real meat of the story here, um, Nick, not really about the balloons, just the, the fact that the, re the relations between these two, uh, number one and number two um, in the world, are really hitting new lows. Uh, yeah, they're definitely contentious. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if they're new lows uh, in the sense that uh, what we saw in the Trump era was probably more heightened, at least um, more hype, let's say. Uh, but it's clear that uh, I think they are a little bit. They have normalized since then, but they're contentious. That's that's how I view it, and potentially can become even more more strained. Yeah, and I think it's just worth seeing how this uh, flows over into into the markets. Uh, Nick, I want to uh, come to this week because, uh, of course, there is a slew of um, data that we're seeing. First and foremost, the um, inflation data coming out tomorrow. Perhaps you can talk us um, through that? Yes, it's clear that inflation has been coming down and Sir Paul uh, alluded to this fact by speaking uh, both um, uh, last weekend before that about this disinflationary process that is now underway and uh, now we're going to get another update in the form of the consumer price index so we're going to have to wait and see the data it's on on tuesday but the last cpi for december um inflation had uh is to the lowest level since at least a year so I think markets will be uh, keenly awaiting uh, this new data set to uh, end the Fed, of course, because we have many data points un until the next meeting, and this is one of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm eagerly uh, uh, waiting for it. I am concerned that we may be starting to taper. Uh, you know, the the so-called low-hanging fruit, that's all been that's, that's started to... Um, I guess the, the inflation uh, data there is starting to come down. Now it's really, what about the, the sticky stuff? Um, does that carry on coming down? So I'm really, really keen on seeing uh, what kind of a print we get. And um, perhaps just as a side, on Thursday we get the um, PPI. 
And I think that probably, depending on what happens with the CPR tomorrow, uh, potentially PPI uh, also uh, may be in focus. And I think it's worth just mentioning that. Yeah. And we have a couple of more things from the United States, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we have um, retail sales on Wednesday. And I, I, I think it's an important figure. And the, the last one was a big drop. Um, a significant drop the, the last print and we're also going to be waiting uh, industrial productions I think these are both two data sets that sort of speak to this conversation around uh, the yes. strength of the US economy you, if we're seeing Nick do you remember the last time those uh, those were released uh, the market really reacted didn't it yeah so yeah. I think that it's going to be um, Wednesday uh, retail sales industrial production uh, very um, interesting uh, numbers just to uh, watch out for but there's other data um, coming from the UK uh, can you take us through that Nick yeah it's a it's a data dump uh, from the UK <laughs> we got the employment uh, figures and actually I will be looking again at the wages because they are very elevated and they are a concern for um, the Bank of England then uh, so that is on Tuesday. It's also interesting just to bring in a slightly different aspect of that is well, we're seeing a lot of uh, strike action, aren't we? Um, mm, and wa yes. wages is a big, a, a, a big talking point at the moment. So the um, the jobs data and the wage data all of a sudden has a, 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 a I think a very keen focus on it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we also have. Uh, the CPI inflation um, data, which is on uh, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So we did see here a moderation in inflation in back in December. It was at 10.5% year over year, lowest since September. But we also saw that the core was thick and stayed at 6.3% year over year again. So it will be interesting to see how this, um, this plays out. Uh, we know that the BOE expect annual inflation to fall this year, uh, but still, as I said, they are worried about um, wages and about the services as well, uh, something that the Fed is also worried about. And, and then there's one more data piece, I think, coming out of the UK. Yeah, retail sales. Yeah. To, to be fairly honest, I don't follow it closely. I think that if it's not a big surprise, it's one of the data points that's not so when, when is that so. coming out nick yeah that's on friday on friday exactly okay and then there have been um new economic forecasts out of the eu is that right yeah so uh first of all let me say this that uh we had talked about it again that uh in q4 um according to the first reading uh, the the European economy avoided a contraction. Now mm -hmm. we expect the second reading. That's on Tuesday, uh, and today we had the European Commission with update its updated um, forecasts. It uh, it actually upgraded uh, the GDP forecast for this year to 0.9 percent from 0.3 percent, and this is sort of. Uh, we've seen this data coming. We've seen in, in general that the situation in Europe wasn't as bad as people feared. And you and I have talked about it in other venues as well. Uh, you have made the point of how sentiment has has been improving and all that stuff. And that plays, I think, right into it. And they also lowered 
their uh, CPI forecasts for 23, for 2023, sorry, and 2024. And we have seen some progress there, the truth is, but limited so far and definitely more work there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, if we had to take a look at, say, the, uh, the fight that the ECB has with inflation compared to what the Fed has with inflation, uh, I think the, uh, the let's just say the the Fed perhaps a little bit ha- having more pro uh, progressed definitely, along that front. Definitely more progress, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, any other economic news that you've got on your agenda for this week? Uh, yeah, I'll be looking at the employment uh, situation in Australia right. as well. Yeah. Uh, according to the RBA, the labour market is very tight. And we have seen that unemployment essentially hovers around 50 year years lows. Uh, and the RBA expect, expect further tick up in wages. They are also to a little bit uh, concerned about uh, wages and that and how this will play out into inflation and uh, to their policy. So I will be looking at that as well. Okay. And that uh, is actually on um, Thursday. All right. And perhaps... Uh, can you uh, just change it up a, um, a little? What about the results that have come out over the last uh, two weeks, uh, well, over last week and this week? Yeah, so we see now that this week sort of starts winding down a little bit. Uh, we don't have any, in the United States, we don't have any super big names, perhaps, but we still get this week uh, Coca-Cola and Airbnb. Yeah. Um and more over the coming weeks. Um, we also get some uh, interesting results this week. We expect outside the the United States, uh, like Barclays from the UK, Airbus from uh, Europe and from Australia, some big names such as West Farmers and Telstra. Um, but last week uh, was quite of a heavy schedule. And for me, Disney was the one that's, that stood out. It's mainstreaming service lost 2.4 million subscribers in the December quarter. And um, uh, however, uh, its streaming service as a whole stayed ahead of Netflix. Uh, But overall, the results were good, right? I think the market market liked the restructuring. The the market reaction, by and large, was positive, wasn't it? Yeah, because they announced um, 5.5 billion in... uh, Cut in costs uh, cutting and also 7,000 layoffs. And we have seen that markets react very well uh, to, to that. And overall, the, the financial uh, revenues, profits and all that stuff were good overall. Yeah, I think we're in a really interesting place for the, for the stock markets. By and large, markets have been positive for 2023. You and I have spoken about it. Um, the question is, of course... Um, you know, is it a dead cat bounce? Is it aligning with uh, the the Fed talk? But I think uh, the forward uh, the forward guidance or the the fact that these companies are restructuring while being met with positivity does say something, and I think it's something uh, to just keep an eye on. Yes, definitely. Nick, it's been fantastic as always. Um, Thank you. I want to. Uh, just remind our listeners, if you can listen to our disclaimers, they're coming up next. FXM Limited, www.fxm.com forward slash UK. 
CFDs are complex instruments and come with a high risk of losing money rapidly due to leverage. 71% of retail investor accounts lose money when trading CFDs with this provider. You should consider whether you understand how CFDs work and whether you can afford to take the high risk of losing your money. FXCM Australia. You can sustain a total loss of deposits. Please refer to our product disclosure statement at www.fxm.com forward slash au. FXCM markets. Losses can exceed deposits. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, other information or references to third party sites contained in this podcast are provided on an as-is basis as general market commentary and do not constitute investment advice. The market commentary has not been prepared in accordance with legal requirements designed to promote the independence of investment research and it is therefore not subject to any prohibition on dealing ahead of dissemination. Although this commentary is not produced by an independent source, FXM takes all sufficient steps to eliminate or prevent any conflicts of interest arising out of the production and dissemination of this communication. Past performance is not an indicator of future results.